Good morning, Spring House. Well, this week for me has been probably one of the best weeks of my year and the worst week of my year, all wrapped into one. Have you ever had a week like that where things are really great and really awful? <laughs> um, last week we talked about Jesus came to give us access to a holy God. And um, I just want to encourage you this morning that God is a good, good father. He's a good father. And, um, and I can only imagine that if I've had one of those weeks, there might be some people in here that have had maybe some interesting things happening in your week. And I just wanted to take a moment and pray over anybody who might be going through something right now. So if you are stepping through maybe a painful moment or something's going on that you just need, you need to be reminded that God's a good father, that he provides for you, that he's with you and not against you and for you. Would you just stand this morning? If you need something from the Lord this morning, would you stand? One of the greatest things uh, about walking in the kingdom is that we're not supposed to walk alone. And so if you're not standing, if you will just surround the people that are standing this morning, the people who have said, I need a touch from God, would you, uh, would you just stretch your hand out or find somebody? Let's make sure everybody's got someone. There's some people over here. Father, I thank you for all of the gifts that you've given us. The very best gift you ever gave us was your son, Jesus. And because of him, we have access to you. And so, Father, in all of the situations throughout this auditorium, all of the circumstances, everything that's going on in people's lives, I'm thankful, God, that you are so big that you can see every single one and that you don't abandon us, that you haven't forsaken us. And so, I, Lord, I just pray. I pray right now because we have access to you. Your word tells us in, in Hebrews that we can come boldly in our time of need. And there are people here who need you, God. And so, Heavenly Father, today, God of all the universe, the one who breathes stars, God, we beseech you this morning. I ask you that you would teach, touch every place, every tender place, every hard place, every need for provision, every, every hurt, Father, that you would mend broken places and that you would do a mighty work, Father. We call out to you, Abba, Father, you are a good Father. The world changes, but you never do. You are the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And we lean into that and we trust you this morning. So move. We are expectant. We are hopeful. And we thank you in advance for the testimony of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Guys, access is a real thing. It's a real thing. And uh, you have every opportunity to access him every day. You don't have to wait till you get here on Sunday. Every opportunity to access this holy God. 
Well, God is good. Thank you for joining us today on live stream. If you're joining us, uh, a couple of announcements real quick, and then I'm going to turn this over. First thing is, if you haven't had a chance to see Best Christmas Pageant ever, I encourage you to do so. It's your last opportunity this weekend. And so come and be a part of that and make that a part of your Christmas uh, celebration this year. Uh, and then next Sunday, next Sunday, we are going to have... Um, Springhouse Christmas party. And uh, so we're only going to have one gathering. It will be at 1030. This gathering, we have some special things planned for you. And so we'd like you to come and hang out with us. And we're going to have lunch. And we're going to have a rock climbing wall. We're going to have lunch. And we're going to have candy bar. We're going to have lunch. And we're going to have uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. I think we're going to do bingo. There's going to be lunch. Did I say there's going to be lunch? There's going to be food. And uh, we want you to come. Seriously, we want you to come. Bring a friend. Bring some family. Uh, guys, it's an opportunity for us to connect with one another. And uh, we want you to be a part of that, okay? So next Sunday, uh, one gathering, 1030, this gathering. And then afterward, we will have our Christmas party together. Does that sound good? God is in the business of saving the very best for right now. And I believe he does have a now word for us. So Pastor Justin's going to come and lead us in Advent too. What is up? Got my road dog here. Got all my stuff for me. Appreciate you. Yeah. You know, my little nativity. This is exactly what you think of when you think of the nativity, right? Is that the one you got at your house? Probably not. Doesn't matter. This is what I got. Uh, oddly enough, um, from the baptismal pit, I heard the word the journey about four times. And um, the Holy Spirit has a way of doing things like that. Uh, just so happens that today we're going to be talking about the journey and abandoning our idea of perfection. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the Word of God. So if you're able to stand, would you please stand with me? And we're going to read the Word of God. We're going to be reading first out of Micah chapter 5. This is a prophecy um, concerning the birth of Jesus. So if you read with me. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And then one more out of Luke chapter 2. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. Thank you for waking us up this morning, keeping us in our right minds. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here and hear your word. We thank you that we are on a journey, Lord God. And I pray that we would embrace it this morning, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to an encounter with you, that the Son of God would
would be glorified through the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray that your anointing would reside on me and that your words that come from me would pierce and penetrate and change hearts and lives to see you in all of your glory and splendor. And I pray that all the JB stuff would be quickly forgotten this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. And we're gathered here to honor you and to hear your word. Speak to us now. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. If you're standing, you can go ahead and be seated. So when I read stories in the Bible, for some reason, I try to put myself in the narrative somehow. Okay? I don't know how you read your Bible, but I read the Bible and I try to put myself in the, in the story or see the narrative um, from a human point of view. Now, a lot of that is speculation because of the cultural differences. Okay, uh, We live in a modern Western society and the Bible was written in ancient Hebrew culture. Okay, those two are not the same thing. How many of you guys know the Bible was written to us, but not for us? I mean, no, it's written for us and not to us. See how quickly you just jumped on board with that? They was like, yeah, the Bible's not for us. You're going to get in trouble just following the leader. The Bible is for us, but it's not written to us, okay? The codex that we have is a history, um, a, a narrative of God's redemptive work and power on this earth, and he, and he chooses to tell the story through the nation of Israel and the Hebrew people, okay? Um, but I, I tend to speculate sometimes, but there's also some revealed information that we have. The Bible reveals a lot of information if you will just look for it. The details are right there. The, the people said the devil's in the details. No, no, no. God is in the details. He knows every hair on your head and every grain of sand on the beach. I promise you, Satan don't know that. Promise you. But God knows. God knows and he sees. So there is revealed information in the Bible that we often breeze over or, or look beyond. And then there's also the understanding of human nature. Right? You don't have to tell children in Asia or Asian cultures that stealing is wrong. Somehow kids just know I'm probably not supposed to be doing this, right? You don't have to tell husbands in Europe or West Africa that you don't speak to your wife like that, right? Somehow we all know that's not the way you're supposed to speak to your wife. Speak kindly to your wife, right? You don't harsh to your children, okay? So understanding human nature and the commonalities behind it, okay? The story leading up to the birth of Jesus is absolutely wild, okay? If you will look at it, which we are going to this morning, it's full of adventure. There are ups and downs. There are highs and lows. There are faith steps. There are trials along the way. And we do an extreme disservice to the story when we make it this meek, cozy, comfy little idea of what the, the Christmas story actually was. The journey was a lot different than the picture that we often paint it. How many of you guys know uh, things always go according to plan, right? No, what are you laughing about? Everything, everything in my life has gone exactly how I planned it out. I knew I was gonna get a felony right out of the gate, right? I also knew there was going to be a day where I'd go before a pardon committee. I knew all of that was going to happen, right? This was a part of my plan, right? To lure you guys in to think, he's never going to be nothing. And then, boom, I'm something. And then I'm like, got you. 
So have you ever, try, it's the holidays, right? And everybody say, we just had holiday photos, right? Um, out here last week um, in the, uh, the foyer. Um, how many of you have ever tried to get that perfect family photo, right? And nobody will cooperate, right? Right? Or somebody's like, oh my God, I love the photo you posted. And you're like, I had to threaten my kids' lives to get this photo. There was some meltdown, somebody was crying. But what they see is that, oh, I'm so thankful for my Spring Hills family. Right? And you got this, everybody smiling. That's the one we post, right? Look, when I was younger, when some of you were younger, right, you didn't know what the photo looked like. The guy taking the photo would put the sheet over his head and he'd have the little bulb and he'd like, boom, and then smoke, and then you wouldn't know. It would come upside down on a piece of glass and you'd have to go in a very dark room for two hours to know what the photo looked like. Then when I was a child, right, you had no idea. You would be with your buddies, like, let's take a selfie. Hang on, he'd be like, and you... You'd be like, everybody, you know what I'm talking about. You've got to, that's why we have so many photos. You're like, what are these photos of? We didn't know what they were going to turn out like. So we just, you had to take a bunch of them, right? And be like, click, I hope it's good. We'll find out in two weeks when we go to Walgreens, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, Most of the photos that we had uh, end up looking like this. Um, This... This is real life. Don't play. This is what all of our Christmas photos and Thanksgiving photos probably really look like at some point. This is my, one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. This is Scotty and his wife, Ashley, and his little family. And um, that's Colton having an absolute uh, scream fest up there in Scotty's face. Ashley was almost ready. And Silas, he's absolutely ready. That's what you're going to get from Silas every time. Um, but this is, this is usually the ones we won't post, right? Nobody's posting that. That's why when I saw that, I'm like, this is gold because this is real life, right? This is, this is the journey most of the time. Um, every year, my family has a tradition. Uh, I'm going to put my photo up. Every year, my family has a tradition from when I was a little bitty baby. My mom and dad would take me and my sister, and we would go to the Christmas tree farm. And we would go, and we'd pick out the scraggliest white pine you could find. It was full on one side, and my mom would be like, we could just turn it. You know what I'm talking about. We could turn it, Right? <laughs> And then it, you get it for a month. And have you ever tried to keep, keep a tree alive for a month after you've cut it down? By the end of the, the, the Christmas season, all of the ornaments are like this. Right? And there's pine needles everywhere and there's sap and it's a disaster. But it was part of my childhood. It was a tradition that every year, this is exactly how it was gonna go. We knew my parents were gonna take us to cut down this tree. It was gonna, my dad was gonna let me get the first saw. Get in there, bud, and get that first saw. Then he would cut it down, and then I'd carry the part of the tree as he would carry it out. We'd get hot cocoa, we'd listen to Christmas music. All the way. This was our tradition. So then when I got married, I um, forced my traditions on my new family um, as a child. And so it became our family tradition. And then my sister, when she got married, she was like, I want to do it too. And so now we have my, the matriarch and the patriarch and then my family and my sister's family. And we all go together every single year, except this year. 
This was our family photo from this year. This is actually reality. This is more of what the fo- most of the photos looked like. Um, there's only one person that is ready for that photo. <laughs> one person, one person's adjusting their beanie. I'm watching this one drink hot chocolate because I'm like, we're taking a photo. No, we're not. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, we're not. Have you ever turned up hot chocolate? That's a brave person right there, dude. <laughs> That, this is what most of our photos are like. This is what most of the journey is like, but this is the type of stuff that we post. This is what we typically think of when we think of the journey to Bethlehem, and in reality, it's more like this. We do an extreme disservice to the importance of the journey when we wrap it in this cozy little Christmas bow. The Bible doesn't tell us that narrative. This is the photo that the Bible posts on Facebook and Instagram, if I'm being real. And we do a very disservice when we paint it to be this cozy little Swedish um, nativity here. Peach crayons. Everybody knows this is exactly what you think of when you think of the nativity right here, right? So whose idea was this anyway? Whose idea was this journey to Bethlehem anyway? Well, the definition of an idea is a thought or conception, an opinion, conviction, or principle, or a plan, a purpose, and a goal. A plan, a purpose, and a goal. I can all but guarantee that the situation surrounding Mary's pregnancy and subsequent trip to Bethlehem was not the idea that Joseph had in mind. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 19. If you tell me that that's that's the idea that Joseph had of what his life was going to look like, you're crazy and you're not reading the text. You're not reading the text because Joseph was a little bit distraught, so distraught that God had to send an angel to calm him down. If this was me, if this was me and my fiance, my teenage fiance, which was culturally acceptable at the time, said, hey, so, (laughs) turns out I'm pregnant, Um, but don't worry, it's from the Holy Spirit. You must think I'm, you know what? (laughs) Look, I was born in Nazareth, but it wasn't last night, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to tell me, right, that you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Then how do you have any response to that? Do I have a microphone? Is it even working? Nope. How do you even respond to that? Like when somebody said, God told me. I I can't argue with that anymore, right? I've moved way beyond that. Do we have a microphone here? Do I need to preach from this one? Back here? (laughs) Do a little rock. This one don't even work. You know what? (laughs) They don't want me. Look, the the devil don't want me to say what I got to say today. Right? Look, he don't want me to say what I got to say today, right? And you, get, you know how they say you get to stepping and stomping and marching? Maybe I should Maybe I started talking about Joseph. God was like, cut his mic, cut his mic, cut his mic, cut his mic. Don't, I am scared. I am nervous. Josh McLeod, I heard you did a great job today. Would you mind coming and just doing your notes today? I am nervous and paranoid now. Part of the journey, right? It's part of the journey. Don't you use my words against me. Don't you act like God gave a message for me to digest first before I try to give it to somebody else? <laughs> like that's the way God moves and operates in, in real life, okay? 
<laughs> but imagine the surprise and shock of Joseph hearing this information for the first time. I mean, if it was me, it'd feel like an episode of Maury Povich when it comes to the, to the case of two-month-old baby Jesus. <laughs> right? Justin, you are not. Then you're like, no, no. Joseph, Joseph was, and the reason I'm saying this is because Joseph was a person. Regardless of culture, this was a man, and it had to probably stir up some feelings in his heart. To hear that his, his fiance was pregnant, and even if you don't make it and, and internalize it like he was hurt, think about what she was going to have to go through. And as a future husband, the, God puts this thing of we want to protect our wives, Imagine what he must have been going through. The emotions, the uncertainties, the firstborn son in a culture where that was your heritage and lineage. And now the whole thing is messed up. But then what about Mary? You can read about Mary's, um, about Mary's story in Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 38. She is engaged to Joseph and now she is going to be the bearer of the Messiah the bearer of the Messiah, and an angel has to come to her too and say, hey, this is what's about to happen. It's gonna get really crazy, okay? I know you're not married yet, but you're gonna be pregnant and still be a virgin. We prophesied it, don't trip. I know you're 14. My 14-year-old trips out because her shoes don't fit anymore. And I, just, and I, and I trip because she wants a new pair that are $150. She's gonna have the savior of the world. And you know what she says? Have it your way. That's why God chose her. That's exactly why he chose her. Because her response was, whatever you want to do, God. Whatever you want to do in my life, God, this is not the plan that I had. This is not the way I foresaw that going down when we got engaged. I didn't see this. But whatever you want to do, God. And then the culture is going to put a lot of pressure on them. They know they're betrothed and now she's pregnant. Do you know how it feels when you know somebody's talking about you? Do you know how it feels? I mean, they talk about me every time Tennessee loses. I know. I come in here and I'm like, man, don't even, you know what? Whatever. They come out of the woodworks. There are people I don't even know. I got 2,000 friends. They're like, hey, I saw your loss. Where are you? Who are you? Right? And as flippant as that is, imagine in a culture where you didn't, you didn't get pregnant outside of marriage, right? And now she's pregnant. The pressure of carrying the Messiah, the, the emotions that her and Joseph had both dealt with, now there's cultural shame and unacceptance tied into it. In both instances, God had to send an angel just to calm everybody down. Right? He said, let me get down there. It's hitting crazy. You got to calm them down. But you know what? He assured them of who they are and whose they are before he brought a word of encouragement. And you know how I know that? The text. When the angel comes to Joseph, he says, Joseph, son of David. Why was that important? Because he was reminding him of his lineage. He was reminding him of the heritage in which he had. But, but he said, I know you're feeling some kind of way, but let me remind you of who you are. I know this journey is not starting out the way you wanted it to go, but let me first remind you who you are. 
So that then you will receive the encouragement I have behind that so that you can walk this out. Joseph, son of David, this is your lineage. This is your heritage. Do you guys remember your first family vacation? Some of you were babies. You don't remember it. But do you remember when you took your babies on their first family vacation? Or do you remember like an early vacation? Do you guys remember that? It's not a rhetorical question. Do you, yes or no? (laughs) Was it all that you dreamed it would be? Huh? Huh? I remember being in a um, van for about 11 hours with my parents. You know you can't go nowhere if you're in a van, right? And I have been listening to these tapes. Yeah, I said it, tapes. It's a tape. And, I, and when you have headphones on, you don't know how loud you are. How many of you know that, right? I'm not talking about earbuds. I'm talking about a wire that doesn't fit over your head with two little pieces of foam on the end. We're not talking about sound canceling. We're talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And when we got to where we were going, my mother quietly, gently, let me see that walk, man. She pushed that button, watched the thing fly open, pulled the tape out gently, and commenced to pull every strand (laughs) of that tape into a ball as I I balled. (laughs) That was my bone thugs and harmony tape, mom, how'd you do it? My, I, but I guarantee your first family vacation was not like their first family vacation. This family vacation was really wild. We're going to read Luke 2 and look at the journey that Mary and Joseph had to go on. <clears throat> this is Luke chapter 2. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. The timing of this decree could not have been any worse and could not have been any more perfect at the exact same time. Mary is nine months pregnant and now she has to walk to Bethlehem. That don't sound like that far of a journey, right? Until you realize that Bethlehem is about 97 miles from where she's currently at. So, uh, that little red dot is you in Smyrna, and in your mind, you are nine months pregnant, um, or your wife is nine months pregnant, and now you got to take a road trip and walk yourself from here to just past Huntsville, Alabama. It's a nice little trek, right? (laughs) Or just, just northwest of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Or if we're talking about culture right here on this right side, uh, you gotta walk to Bucky's from here. 
nine months pregnant. You're going to be ready for them beaver nuggets when you get there too. Whew. Good Lord. That was a, that's where it's at, right? Somewhere in that little area, you got to walk to Bucky's. 97 miles, 97 miles. Here's what I want you to see. The prophecy could have been the baby will be born in Nazareth of Galilee, but it was not the baby will be born in Nazareth of Galilee. It says he'd be born in Bethlehem and God knew that Joseph and Mary would not be in Bethlehem and would have to go to Bethlehem. God could have done that, but he didn't. Why? Because this journey matters. It's not just about the destination. It's also about the journey. When you got saved, if it was just about being in heaven with God, then the moment you confess Christ, boom, gone, gone. But you're not. Just like Pastor Kevin said, he was still here in his situation. But now he had a different perspective of what was happening on the journey. Nine months pregnant, and you got to walk 97 miles. I can't find a mention of a donkey in there. Um, she may have rode on a donkey. It's culturally appropriate at that time. But either way, that's a long walk. It's probably going to take about four or five days to get there. But the timing of this prophecy fulfills Micah chapter 5. Think about the timing. If she was two months pregnant she may not have had the Christ child in Bethlehem. They may have been able to go to the, make the journey and get back. But it happened at the right time. The right time. It was a terrible time for them, but it was a perfect time for God. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. That's a very inconvenient thing to have to tell a um, mother who is nesting that now you are going to have to get up and go to Bethlehem. When I think of nesting, has anybody had a baby? Anybody ever had a baby? Anybody out there had a baby? A couple of y'all? Two? Three? How many kids are in the kids ministry? Do we have? <laughs> y'all adopt all those kids? <laughs> All right, how many have a wife that had a baby? Anybody had a wife that had a baby, right? Those last few months before that baby gets there, right? It is full on getting this place ready, get the nursery, put the little initial up of the baby's letter of their name, and then the cool wall decor and all the simple olive tones. with the. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's what Mary was probably doing. Think about it. I don't know the culture, but the culture doesn't matter because it's a human thing. Moms can't explain it. You don't know, all right, about month seven, this is going to happen. Something just changes inside. Am I right, ladies? Something shifts inside of you, and you start preparing. You can look at nature. Birds will start really working down in their nest, right? That's where they got the term from. They put feathers in it to get that. And this is what I think of happens when I hear nesting. They're getting ready, right? Not yet. I'm not down yet. I still got to go get worms. But they get those... Right? You got to feed the baby. Don't play. You know, like you've never seen this in your entire life. <laughs> right? I'm saying things that you all know. And y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy for saying those things. Mary is nesting and preparing for this baby. Joseph is probably full of nervous excitement. First time dad's. I remember when I got married, I was an, an instant dad. 
instant dad. My wife had children already. So I was literally the epitome of the opposite of a country song. When we got married, I got a, three kids, a wife. I moved into her house. I got a pickup truck, a dog. Like it was everything. I won. <laughs> I won. She did not win. She was like, I'll take him. And I'm like, and I get you and all the stuff too. But I had a realization, I want, you to, I want you to hear me, I had a realization a couple of months ago and I shared this with my oldest two. Um, I'm their bonus dad. But I realized that sometimes as a parent, when you have a baby, right, you get to grow into parenting. You get to learn and grow as a dad or as a mom. You get to make mistakes and figure things out along the way. I didn't have that time with them. I was an instant dad. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, I failed them because I didn't get to grow as a dad. I was already thrust into fatherhood. But Joseph is, has this nervous excitement and anticipation of bringing, he's already worked through whatever emotions he's got to deal with. And now he's ready, but hang on guys, we gotta make a road trip to Bethlehem. The terrain that they traversed could not have been any worse and yet more perfect at the exact same time, okay? How many of you uh, think of, when, when you think of they went to Bethlehem, I've only seen like low budget Christian movies with all Caucasian actors, right? It's all of, preach, we're talking pre-chosen, pre-chosen. Don't look, see, here we go again, all that. Pre-chosen, when I hear they walk to Bethlehem, I think of a straight, dusty road Anybody else? Look, the mountains are there, but they're all way off on the side and in the distance. This is not the road trip that they took. Verse four says that they went up from Galilee. They went up, okay? The text. Bethlehem was elevated 2,543 feet above sea level, which is 1,493 feet higher than Nazareth. So she... She's nine months pregnant, and it's a 1,500-foot elevation difference. Even if it is a straight road, it's the incline for 97 miles, okay? It's located in the Judean mountains. That is rugged terrain, okay? I, I recently took a trip to North Carolina with a buddy. <coughs> Excuse is this working again? They didn't even tell me. Some... <laughs> How are they not going to tell me? My arm is hurting now. <laughs> the journey, right? Just embrace the journey. <laughs> they didn't want to interrupt. God's interruptions are often inconvenient, man. I'm telling you. You can't make this up. <laughs> we went to North Carolina. And I trusted Siri a little bit too much. <laughs> a little bit too much, right? Somehow I had clicked on, we had stopped for food when I got back on the highway. I had clicked avoid highways or, or toll, you know, or tolls. My, my buddy was asleep, right? And he wakes, and he slept for like two hours. He wakes up, we're in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains. On these windy roads. I mean, just, he was like, where are we at? This is beautiful. I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea where we're at. 
but I am not taking this road back by myself. I'm, I'm dropping him off. Right? You're not going to drive back by myself? I, told, I see my wife's pictures like, this is gorgeous. It's so unexpected. Are you hearing me? I didn't expect to go through the Blue Ridge Mountains, but I ended up there. And I can be so upset about all the twists and all the turns that I had to go through and the extra gas. And this is off my route. And this is taking more time. Or I can just enjoy the journey that I'm on. Mary and Joseph had to take back roads the whole way. That's the equivalent. Going from Nazareth to Bethlehem through the Judean countries, the Judean mountains, 1,500 feet above sea level. Did I say that she's nine months pregnant? Don't forget that. We read the story and it sounds so eloquent when Quirinius was governor of Syria, right? We read it with all this theatrical accent. Maybe I just read it like that. <laughs> Is it just, I probably do, I ain't gonna lie. But this was an up and down journey through hills and valleys, probable seasonal changes based on the timing. So if you think about the time of year that we're in right now, it's liable to be sunny one day and then rain for seven days in a row. Like there's a good chance it may have rained on them. I don't know that speculation, so you can't teach that. You can't say, well, Joseph and Mary had to walk in the snow uphill both ways. You can't, <laughs> can't do all that, but you understand it was not just a straight shot. This was a tough road they had to walk. They had to walk a tough road. But this is a picture of our journey. This is not the route we would often choose. We often want straight lines. We don't like interruptions. We don't like detours. We don't like things that, put, that allegedly or apparently take us off the path. But the reason we don't like it is because that's not the idea that we had for our lives. This is not the plan I had, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not absolving us of all, of all wrongdoing and choices, right? Don't, if you don't talk to certain people a certain way, then they won't be mad at you and you won't be on the couch. Can't be like, this is part of the journey. Pastor Justin said that you got to embrace it. No, dummy. Like, you, you are responsible for yourself. It's not what I'm saying. But there are interruptions along the way that you have no control over. They had to go. They were told to go. They had to go. It was very inconvenient. But God's interruptions are often inconvenient. They're often inconvenient. We want the straight shot, but he sends us the roundabout way. Then they get there. Their arrival in Bethlehem could not have been any worse and yet more perfect. It couldn't have been any worse and yet more perfect. They get there. Can you imagine? Look, I mean, she's nine months pregnant. <coughs> Her and Joseph, they show up. I'm just thinking this is how pregnant, nine months pregnant walk. <laughs> they show up and they're immediately met with disappointment. How many times have we arrived somewhere at a destination on our journey and we're met with disappointment. I promise, if any of you book a hotel or think you're gonna get a hotel on Gulf Shores in July we just, we just, when we get down there, and you get there and get to that desk, you're gonna forget you worshiped Jesus. <laughs> Some of you don't play. Some of you have done that. Got there and absolutely flipped out on a lady that has no control over what's on the other side of that screen. We got no room for you. They get there and it's like, there's no room. They planned on staying with family. And then they get there and it's like, there's no room here. 
Everybody had to come. We have no room for you. You can read in Luke chapter two, verse seven, there was no room in the inn. It was so perfect and so fitting though for a humble king to enter the world in this way. Everybody's looking for the king to come, this big triumphal entry. Look at the way he entered into Jerusalem there at the end, right? On a colt, on a donkey. So why would it be any different for him to enter this world this way? If his whole message is, hey, this is not a race to the top, it's a race to the bottom. It's an upside down kingdom that you're living in. Then how would he enter any other way? So they thought, they probably thought, well, this is great. We're out here in the stable. All we have is a manger. It may have been that. More than likely, it was probably a little metal bowl on top of some cinder blocks. They didn't have cinder blocks, but, <laughs> but you get the idea. Stop, we make it way so, we, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. But at the same time, Think about Mary and Joseph in this situation. They had, the journey they had been on for the last year and a half, right? And it all culminates here, and now she's gonna have a baby. I, it was not a silent night. Have you ever been around somebody that has a baby? <laughs> she had a baby outside, no epidural. I'm serious. She had a baby outside and wrapped him in, so this is, if we understand the cosmic scale of what has just happened, the savior of mankind has entered into humanity in a barn outside and is placed in a trough. There are heavenly hosts appearing, glorifying God. All of heaven is waiting. All of those that have fallen and all those are in hell are anticipating the arrival of this king that will put an end to all death. This is, a, this is the centerpiece of civilization. Everything hinges on that. The whole dates bring, come forward and then center right there on Jesus and then we're all counting back the other way. Why? Because this is the centerpiece of civilization. The reason why the journey was so important was because it led to Jesus. That's why the journey matters. That's why the journey matters. Things don't always go at plan, but the journey matters because it led to Jesus. Joseph and Mary, their whole story, their whole, everything led to the Christ. I like to put myself in these stories. I can imagine Joseph and Mary kick back at the table years later and be like, Mary, do you remember when you were pregnant with Jesus? <laughs> we're talking about people now. We're talking about people. Do you remember when you were pregnant and we had to go to Bethlehem? Do you remember? Oh my gosh, I was so tired and I was irritated that day. Like you can start to see the humanity and God, and, and that's important to God. It's important to him. The reason why is because he told us about the journey. God's interruptions are often inconvenient but what we call interruption, God calls invitations. These apparent interruptions in our life, these are God's invitations. Invitations to lean into him. Invitations to allow him to lead. Invitations to say, you know what? Things didn't go according to plan, but that's okay, because I know that this journey will lead me to Jesus. He invites us to, 
Enjoy the journey and trust his plan. Worship team, you guys can make your way back up here if you'd like. Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a reminder to abandon our idea of perfection and embrace God's interruptions. Bethlehem is a reminder to abandon perfection and embrace God's interruptions. We're talking about the Christmas season and our idea of what the perfect Christmas, you know, I, I, may, I may joke about my parents not being able to go with me to that tree farm, but that stung. We've always done it. It's what we always do. This is the first time in 40 years that I didn't get to go with my mom and dad. You know, I don't know if it took me when I was zero, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe, bring him out here. It's a baby, help him. Like that was, yeah, I got to carry on the tradition, but it's not what I had planned in my mind. There are a lot of things that you're gonna have planned in this season and things are not gonna go according to plan. And you just gotta respond. You gotta roll with it. The reason why I love palm trees and I can't stand that God would teach me this is because palm trees are the only tree that can withstand the hurricane force wind. You know why? Because they're flexible. They're not so rigid that this is my way, this is the plan, this is how it's gonna go. Because when they're rigid, they break. The rigid trees always break during a hurricane. The palm trees, they may get uprooted, they may get beat down, but they're flexible. They're flexible and they can go with it. And a lot of times God is teaching us, hey, things aren't gonna go according to plan on the journey and that's okay. You're gonna do everything right and it's still gonna go wrong. Some of you are gonna overcook the ham this year. I, my mom forgot to put deviled eggs out at Thanksgiving last year and we had a panic attack. <laughs> this year she made more than we could eat. <laughs> Some of you are gonna get literally lost riding around looking at Christmas lights and refuse to put the GPS on even to the behest of your spouse. Some of you are gonna forget a, about a present that you had wrapped and you're gonna find it months later. Or you're gonna forget to give somebody special a gift and you're gonna remember it when they give you something. Nobody's gonna smile at the same time in your family photo. Some of you are gonna have Cousin Eddie come over for the season. It's coming and you know it. And some of you are Cousin Eddie. Right? That's when the real realization sets in where you're like, oh gosh, that's me. Right? And you're like, I'm that guy. When Nathan told David, you're that guy, and the realization set in, ah, I make it this way. You know what? So what? So what? It's a part of the journey. But it's a part of the journey. When Pastor Kevin's up there and, and, and when Stephen and Micah are talking, right? 
I can see that dad and I can hear in Micah's testimony like I have strayed I have tried to figure things out on my own and his dad's like son I pray for you and I've been I've been trying to encourage you and give wisdom and I'm so thankful that he that I have pastor Kevin that he can pour into you and then he says something that so embodies this journey we're on he said son I'm always going to be your dad but today you're a brother in Christ and I'm back there talking to Alan like, do not look at me right now. Because you just see their journey, you know? And you know that it matters. You know that we wouldn't choose all those hurts. We wouldn't necessarily choose to get up and, and, and take a road trip to Bethlehem. We wouldn't ha- choose to have to get up in the middle of the night and go help somebody. But that's part of the journey that we're on, and the journey matters to God. And the reason why the journey matters is if it leads to Jesus. Their journey led to Jesus. If our journey leads us somewhere else, then we're taking detours and exits that we're not supposed to be taking. It's all about Him. We're talking about, we talk about Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And carry the Christmas spirit throughout the year. Well, I'll give you one way you can do that. Embrace the journey. Embrace God's interruptions in your life. You can do that regardless of the season. So this Christmas, lean in to things that are difficult and different. Things are gonna look different for you this year and that's okay. This Christmas, remember that God has not forgotten where you are on the path. One of my favorite Bible stories is where a man gets healed and the Holy Spirit's intentional to say, the man on which the miracle was performed was over 40 years old. Now, why did he say that? Because sometimes we feel like, God, you've forgotten about me. God, you don't see my situation. God, you don't know where I'm at. And just like he told Joseph, Joseph, son of David, God says, I know where you're at on this journey. I know where you're at on the path. You may have forgotten, but I've not forgotten you. I have not forgotten about you. I see you and I'm okay with these little detours because I'm still here and I'm still in it. This Christmas, abandon your idea of perfection and embrace the journey that leads us to Jesus. So we're gonna pray this morning, we're gonna worship. If you need prayer, um, I'm gonna have some people that'll come down and pray with you, elders and their wives and and other leaders in the church and in the house. And if you need prayer for anything, you come down here and you get prayer. If you're sick and you're hurting in your body, come and we'll lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and we'll pray for healing. But as we worship, I want you to let go of your idea of perfection. Let God work on you in this way and lean in to the journey and let it lead you to Jesus as we worship today.